Welcome to Your Highness Podcast, a show where we get comfortable with the uncomfortable, uncover areas of cannabis where accessibility and inclusiveness are lacking, and elevate conversations about ways to affect real change in this space with a specific focus on folks who identify as women. listening to Your Highness Podcast, and I'm your host, Diana Crash. Today, I am joined by the amazing Dr. Desta Magoo, um, who is a creative consultant, writer, activist, mother, amazing overall person. (laughs) I know I'm not going to do you justice in this intro, um, but I am so honored to have you uh, with us today. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Desta. Can I call you Dr. Desta or should do you prefer Dr. McGill? I prefer actually Mama Desta. Mama Desta? (laughs) (laughs) Or I'll try it. (laughs) No problem at all. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much. Yeah, any seriously, anytime. Um, so let's start off by um, talking about your background a bit because I know it's extensive. Um, what drew you to cannabis, and um, what's your professional background? If you want to tell us a bit about that, I know it's it's long, so you don't have to tell us everything, but <laughs> some sure, of it. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Well, you know, the first question. Um, about the background, maybe the second, but <laughs> yeah, I sorry, it was a two-parter. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, my background. I, I was born and raised in Kingston, Jamaica, and moved in in 1961, August 15th. I'm going to be 60 this year, yay! And so moved to New York with my family in the 1970s. Um, and essentially was really, I think, put into a bit of a culture shock um, with the racism and certain things that I just had not experienced in uh, Jamaica growing up, and so was sort of mm, propelled, if you will, to go into advocacy as a way of self-preservation and also the beginnings of um, activism for me. And at the time, Harlem was really vibrant, and I was going to Harlem on the weekends for um, modeling lessons, of all things. Um, started, you know, Nation of Islam is this, the final call, it's just really vibrant. And so, though being born in Jamaica, that was also my entry into Rastafari. And I do believe that also um, impacted my relationship and understanding of cannabis and how it could be utilized um, just for the betterment of mankind. And that's where my journey has begun. And 40 plus years later, I'm still very much there and trying to find ways through my advocacy to, um, you know, really utilize and promote cannabis within its proper context 
um, and sort of shatter some of the myths and propaganda that's been created about this precious plant. So I hope I answered properly. <laughs> Absolutely. Of course you did. Um, and <laughs> so I know that you're doing some work with Afrohelios. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. You know, Afrohelios is sort of the convergence of my hopes, aspirations, um, checklist of things that um, I would have loved to gotten to um, if, if given the chance and opportunity not dealing with um, so much because we do have a very good, good, you know, big plate. But for, my, for me, my passion, especially living in Africa, Ethiopia specifically for the last um, 16 years almost, um, it's all about development. It's about advancing the continent. It's about addressing so many social, economic um, needs. And cannabis is certainly one of the important ways of um, doing this. You know, this plant has so many attributes, can be used in so many ways, and particularly for the empowerment of the continent, especially women and youth. And so when I got introduced to Afrohelios and Brother Darren and heard about their aspirations, I said, yeah, you know, I could really get behind this. So I've, I've certainly got some short-term goals and some long-term goals that I'm hoping I'll be able to share with Afrohelios um, in my time with them as, a, as an advisor. Can you talk about the intersection of African diaspora and cannabis? Absolutely. The intersection with the African diaspora and cannabis, I think it comes along on, on, on several levels. I mean, when we look back at the history of the use of cannabis, particularly in the United States and in the Caribbean, in what's called the sixth region, actually, um, this is something that has helped a lot of black folk maintain their sanity. You know, while living and working in communities with such great social um, justice, economic, um, etc. disparities. And so it really has been an effective um, way of managing stress and so much. You know, many times when I speak about, you know, what, what black folks are going through in the West, we talk about post-traumatic slavery disorder and the fact that we've never had, not to mention the, the 40 acres in the moon, but we've never had a way or a vehicle in which to address some of the damage that has occurred through slavery and its subsequent um, manifestations you know, post-reconstruction um, and all of this, particularly in the, in the United States. And so cannabis has offered that, that outlet. Now, the other side to that is that cannabis and even some of the least of charges have placed brothers and sisters in prison, um, again, unjustly. Some are serving very lengthy sentences, um, as opposed to those who may be using other Schedule A um, drugs that are quite harmful and processed and so forth. So um, for me, the ability to give the African diaspora an opportunity to benefit 
from, you know, the new and changing laws and policies on cannabis is very important because subsequently what will happen for those, especially Pan-African conscious who are looking to the continent um, within the context of Sankofa, which is the Ghana Adinkra symbol for go back and get it. You know, it's the swan that's looking behind. It is the ability to leverage the cannabis um, economy and all the related opportunities for the continent. So in a sort of by us, for us manner. So I do believe the African diaspora is going to be a very important part of the um, the use and the promotion and the cultivation and development of cannabis on the continent. Absolutely. Um, I apologize. I mispronounced that diaspora. I don't know why I was saying diaspora. <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> I, like, I don't know either. Um, so do you want to talk about some of your work that you did through the Bob Marley Foundation and how that prepared you for Afrohelios? Absolutely. And I served as the managing director for the Bob Marley Foundation mm-hmm. uh, 2004 to 2005, actually. And it was right after leaving my post as the acting director for the Center for Race and Race Relations at the University of Florida um, Levin College of Law. Um, I had previously been working with Mrs. Marley since the late 1980s into 90s. Um, in a management capacity. So I was really happy when she called me forward to come on board. Um, obviously, you know, Bob Marley being Rastafari and the family, um, you know, they've got holdings and different projects that they're certainly doing where cannabis is concerned. But I think um, indirectly, the ability to use the name and the brand Bob Marley to advocate and to um, promote policies and policy changes um, for the African diaspora and particularly in areas like health and education and general well-being as the Bob Marley Foundation does work with. I think it did and it has um, not only sensitized me but prepared me to work with similar organizations or institutions that are advocates and champions for policy change, because essentially that's what one of the things that Afrohelios, um, although it is a you know plan to be this vertically integrated company, will have to deal with. We will have to be dealing with um, policy changes along the way. You know, mm-hmm. um, whether it be releasing our brothers and sisters from and, and beyond, because it's not just black folk, um, but certainly that, that's my concern, um, from prison, you know, these heavy sentences, as I mentioned before, for cannabis, or whether it is about on the continent being able to look at the, for instance, free trade agreement that's just been instituted. So we've got 55 countries now. Um, and so lobbying will have to be done to these different countries as we cross borders and so forth. So I think it has helped me a lot. And also just in terms of brand management, you know, how do we manage the brand, position the brand, 
um, so that people are not sort of going into the elephant in the room um, and and asking cliche questions like, oh, you know, so what about you know the joint or the spliff or whatever? You know, that that's all good. That's 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 fine. But that's not the issue here. Right. The issue is how do we cultivate? How do we create jobs? How do we create industries? And how do we curate an industry that can be transformative on the continent? Many people don't know that in Ethiopia in the 1950s, hemp, although not cannabis, hemp was a cash crop, mm-hmm. um, much like it was in the United States, you know, um, um, during World War World War One. So World War Two, rather. So, you know, we've got we've got a long way to go, and Afrohelios, I think, will be able to be one of the champions for um, recognizing the potential of cannabis and how it can transform lives through economic and social um, initiatives. And on that note. Um, can you tell us what is your favorite thing about cannabis? Like big picture, what is your the what drives you to it the most? You know, um, I'm vegetarian. Mm-hmm. I'm a naturalist. Um, I believe in nature. I do not inoculate my children. I don't say that I'm anti-vac because I believe in freedom of choice. So sure. I can tell you what I'm for. Right. And, you know, when my stomach is not feeling well, I go to my garden, I get my peppermint. When I So so I look at this most precious plant within that same context. You know, I, I respect Mother Earth. I respect the blessings of the Most High that has given us um, everything we need within nature. And so this plant that has so many properties it is endless the potential is one of the things that fascinates me really really fascinates me that one little plant can do so much yet it does such little harm to the earth when you talk about the degradation of soil and and this sort of thing and then on a personal level it has been very important in my life um you know Going through law school, being able to study and being able to focus and being able to relax myself. And, um, you know, at times I, I went through heavy levels of anxiety and couldn't eat and this sort of thing. And so for me personally, cannabis has been medicinal. It has allowed me the ability to heal myself mm-hmm. with a plant, much like, as I said, you know, if if there's something going on and, and, and my tummy's not good, I've got the peppermint, you know. If I need some detoxification, I've got my aloe vera. So it is within the um the the the, the vast array of plants and, and gifts that we've been bestowed upon with the most high in its natural state. That's the other thing. It's like pick dry roll done, you know. Um Pick dry, you know, tea done. This is not something that requires processing, and um, yeah. So, so for me, those are the, the the areas that fascinate me the most, and why I just really do believe, and not believe, but know that indeed this precious plant, this blessed plant, needs to be respected, um, almost revered, protected, promoted. 
And certainly within all of that context, be a benefit to black people uh, on the continent and abroad in myriad ways. Absolutely. I know I keep saying that, but everything you're saying is so on point. I'm just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yes, yes. <laughs> That's so amazing. Um, so I know you have 10 children. How how do they feel? Like, how do you deal with, um, you know, being a mother with cannabis? Do you have any um, general takeaways from that about how it has affected your parenting? Well, uh, keep me kept me calm. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, I have children in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And so, you know, parenting is, let's face it, it's all trial and error. Mm -hmm. That's the reality. Right. Um, Point in case, my number nine and ten are identical twins, um, yet they're so completely different. Mm -hmm. And you know, cannabis has certainly enhanced my creativity and my ability to mother um, and and the ability to, again, focus and find different ways in which to engage children through these various, I mean, you know, various stages of their life um, as well as mine because you know, children are little people, and so you're growing together and and changing together. Um, so I do, you know, I, I certainly know that cannabis has played that role for me personally, uh, being able to allow me to hold that meditation, um, be focused, be caring, be patient, be tolerant. You know, there's those times when you, know, you get pushed to the edge, especially when they start going into those teenage years. Right. Um, so it also allows for reflection. Um, it also allows me to be able to um, center myself, mm-hmm. you know, center myself. And sometimes, frankly, not take myself so seriously because it does make you happy. Right. And so, you know, you're able to sometimes... Where, where typically you may get angry, you know, it's like, you know, something, let me laugh this off because this is really hilarious. <laughs> and I'm not going to laugh about it one day, so I may as well laugh about it now. <laughs> you know, um, so it is, again, that, that type of experience of joy and centering. And it's spiritual. It's so spiritual um, in, in how it connects. And, you know, some people say, oh, but don't you get paranoid? No, you know, you know, certainly you're opening up the chakras or whatever you're opening up. It's a sense of awareness, mm-hmm. consciousness that has been heightened. And um, now it's not for everyone. Let's face it, just like sugar or wheat, right? Yeah. You know, people are glucose intolerant, right? Or, you know, anything, anything on the face of this earth may have adverse effects on another person right and so again i promote the freedom of choice and the freedom to be able to exercise that right to heal ourselves and immerse ourselves in experiences that are um not just healing but calming and self-soothing and self-gratifying you know right yeah, absolutely. I think with all plant medicine, it's uh, a lot of trial and error. <laughs> it's like parenting in that way. 
point. But it is. I mean, you really have to have patience and you have to try different scenarios and go low and slow and all of that. Um, because I didn't yeah. used to do that. I mean, when I first started with cannabis, I was just like, woo, you know. Um, <laughs> um, once you become more intentional with it, though, it's it's a whole new world, uh, I believe. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's also different stages because the way I related to it as a teenager, those were my early young activist days, um, are quite different than how it is now being a grandmother of 13 and my children, all adults, we work together. Some are also in the industry, as a matter of fact. Wow. Um, so so it's, it's like anything else, the relationship changes you know it's, it's I, I talk about chocolate i used to love chocolate as a as a child right but now the type of chocolate that i may have and when i have it and how i enjoy it is quite different than sort of being you know, a 16 year old kid and just you know trying to you know get as much as i can and then you go into a sugar shock and and this kind of thing so right it is about you know also overstanding your own body and being in connection and, and, and in that oneness. Um, so that's where that spiritual side also comes in with the physical of it, you know, the chemistry side of it. Yes, absolutely. I think that is totally key. And I, and I love that you just explained it like that. That was beautiful. Um, so before we end this episode, do you have any calls to action or anything specific that you'd like to promote? Anything coming up that you want to draw attention to? You know, I really, um, I want to see Afrohelios launch in a major way and get massive support, particularly from the African diaspora. We have to claim this and own this, have agency over this entity because we're all going to benefit from it. Mm -hmm. And this means going through the process and the journey with this um baby mm -hmm. of a company right now um so everything from the, the policy side to the agriculture to the pharmaceutical development side to um training for young people and 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 one day i mean my big vision i may as well share it now is the establishment of an ethiopian cannabis exchange wow. um so you know it, it's traded and we've got different grades and this encourages farmers to grow to a certain standard and it comes to the market and, you know, um, farmers can just benefit from this and they'll be able to sell their goods. And um, so, so, so I am just really excited about what Afrihelios holds in the future and really want to use, use my energy, my brand, if you will, and resources and connections to bring attention and heighten awareness. You know, we've mm -hmm. got to educate. We've got to heighten awareness because remember, there's been decades of like tearing this down, mm -hmm. decades of propaganda, right? I remember the yeah. first paper I did was my bachelor's degree and um, my paper was about cannabis and mm -hmm. all the benefits. This was maybe 1990 five or six or something like this and my professor is just like what yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and 
here we are, you know, some, what, 30 years later, and everybody's talking about this. Mm-hmm. But again, we're not benefiting from it, although we were the ones that were the vanguard, particularly the Rastafari community, the Rastafari space, that boldly said, as Peter Tosh said, legalize it, and I'll advertise it. <laughs> and as an avid Peter Tosh fan, that's basically where I am. Legalize <laughs> it, and I will advertise it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was such an honor. And I am so grateful for all that you're doing in this industry. Um, Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And thank you for what you're doing as well, Your Highness, because we all need this. And like I always said, I'm ready to roll. I know you are. Until next time, stay high and beautiful. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Instagram at Your Highness Podcast or on Twitter at Highness Podcast. Be sure to rate us on iTunes and subscribe.